Welcome to GB Talks, hosted by me, George Bamford, founder of Bamford Watch Department and Bamford London. In this podcast series, I'm going to explore what I call oddball watches. I'm chatting with some amazing people throughout the series about the world of watches. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if there is ever any watch you would like me or my guests to discuss, please do get in touch. Now we have Farhad Hadari. He is the editor of NetJets. And he is the amazing man behind House of Hadari. I cannot wait to hear what he's going to say. Fahad, which watch today are we going to be talking about? Well, I'm going to let you talk about it, George. It's called the Longine. And I'm going to butcher the name. Avigiton watch type A7-1935. Is that correct? I'd love to say that I know the it, the total way of saying it right, but uh, you probably said it perfectly, and someone at Longine is going to be going, oh my God, they've sent it, said it wrong. But honestly, for me, it doesn't... I, I, the name is, for me, the secondary thing. What... Describe the watch. Just kind of... It is... Because it's a really odd watch, but so freaking cool. It is an odd watch. And I just sort of think that in our sort of topsy-turvy world... Why not sport a watch that's slightly askew? So it's an asymmetrical watch, or as people call them, sort of off-center dials or lopsided, off-balance, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, and they have this sort of rule-breaking, slightly rebellious, slightly contrarian uh, look to it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful watch. Uh, 1935 is the year my father was born. So I quite, uh, I, th- that sort of has resonance. He's always worn a Longines, which I also uh, have great affinity for. And so it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a beautiful beautiful watch except for the fact that the dial is sort of orientated the 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 uh, let's say the twelve o'clock hand is slightly orientated to the right where it sits to where usually you would have your one o'clock hand. So uh, in terms of the numer uh, the numericals, let's say it's a crazy watch, um, and you know. They they reference racing, uh, sorry, um, aeronautical um, uh, endeavors. It is one of those things where you go, this is uh, a very un- unusual watch. But for me, I look at this and it looks like a pocket watch. It, it does. A, You're absolutely it, right. It's got that sort of chunky, chunky feel to it as well. Nice and it, thick as it is. It really does, but also the the case. It's got this beautiful case um, design that is almost. If if they'd said they'd reinterpreted a pocket watch, you would have gone instantly. I I know that they've done it. It just feels that way. Even the um, the old vintage hands that they've done on this, it just it it feels together like a little pocket watch on your wrist, but the size of it is not a pocket watch size. It's no, a smaller it's size. Yeah, it is a smaller size, but the case is a thick case from, yeah. from, from, what, from, what I, from what I know. I mean, the, the, the dimension is uh, 41 millimeters, so which is, which is you know, not insignificant, but then not too big either, as it were. It's 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 quite an interesting reinterpretation of a of an original one um, that uh, that they were they sold to the U.S. Army Corps. This is uh, what I can Google. So this is what I always said to you when we we're doing this: is I can Google everything. Anyone can actually have more knowledge than me, or even Farhad, 
on uh, and this me, much. certainly me, certainly me. <laughs> but the thing is, it is odd. It is one of those things that, as I always say, like a magpie, we're attracted to it. It is like that little glint of gold. It's got what a beautiful. Attractive. It's got it's got a beautiful me, uh, sort of melanized dial. Uh, melanized for the, uh, the the boys and girls out there is something that has made has been made into uh, sort of an ashen color. So it's got a lovely blackened dial. But then you've got the sort of the Arabic num- numericals in a beautiful sort of top, uh, sort of beige color. So it sort of just it sort of pops, I think, and. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and and you pair it with that lovely, lovely sort of uh, uh, it's not a pebble grain leather strap, but it's a lovely, lovely leather strap with a nice, nice stitching. It's it's just it's sort of it's unique. It's it's slightly askew, and I think it's uh, it's a it's a it's a pretty pretty interesting watch from from the little that I know about horology and watchkeeping. No, but it, that's what I love about what you've brought here. Is this is a watch that. You know, I kept on saying to you, please, let's talk about an oddball watch. And you kept on bringing something that was, uh, what would I best describe it? Very kind of like uh, center Middle of the sta- ground. Center yeah. stage. And what I loved is that you just went, here, I'm going to drop, I literally am going to drop the mic on you and I'm going to deliver something that is, it, it is an odd odd watch. But the great thing about it is this, this stopwatch vibe to it, where it's just off from the lugs. I mean, if you were a designer, you'd go, oh, this really annoys me because you've got a very, very straight, very simple lug, and then you've got the the crown right next door to the lug. I I mean, if I was a designer of it, I'd be like, what the hell am I thinking? But it works. Yeah. Did did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or did you wake up slightly... uh slightly hung over. But of course, uh, there's so many of these slightly asymmetric watches, as you yeah. know. I mean, Cartier have one that is called the asymmetrique. Yeah. And, you know, Vacheron do a couple, and as do uh, Glass Hutte and some of the stuff yeah. from MBNF. But I just think this one is sort of in its way that it's discreet. It, it's not shouty. And like you said, it's, uh, it, it's a throwback to yesteryear, what's old is new again. Um, sort of, I don't know, resonates with me in a slightly, uh, you know, oddball kind of way. No, do you know, you're totally right. It resonates. That's that's the great thing is when I said to you about the magpie vibe is that thing of like, what what was that first like, boom, this really connected with you? Because, you know, it wasn't the name because you and I both can't pronounce it. So it's kind of like we <laughs> we have to we have to go to it, it, it. You know, is it the pilot vibe to it? Is it the the look of the case is at the dial. You know, what is the thing that makes us go, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to really, that's something I want. Because when I see this watch and I, I'm looking at the white dial version and I freaking love it. And I'm like, what the hell? Why do I love it? And of course the back, the case back has uh, a cutout of a, uh, of an aeroplane. Um, yeah. So our friends at Bremont would, uh, would 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 feel a kinship uh, uh, from a, from an aeronautical aviation standpoint, but it it, it does it, it it speaks to you know uh, the number of pilot watches and and uh, and sort of chronographs uh, that were produced in yesteryear and how they they've all made a comeback and how people really want to have especially nowadays given the fact that we're all grounded in one yeah. part of the world or another you know it sort of inspires that. Uh, immutable sense of wonder loss, for the lack of a better terminology. No, do you know you're totally right? And you just talk about chronograph. It's a single push chronograph watch. 
So it's a complicated out of the crown single push chronograph watch. So so it literally goes. I'm the gangster and now I'm like literally the king gangster. I'm like literally like, don't worry, I've done a single push chronograph, but it's out of the crown. It's And that's the thing that I loved. And that's what also referenced me to the pocket watch ideas is a lot of those pocket watches. There was the single push chronograph um, out of out of the crown, but also it used to be able to you used to be able to pop the back open by pressing the crown and all these different things. And I, I just there's something really nice about the proportions, even down to the cut through of the sub dials of the twelve and the six, and you know part of the five and the seven. You kind of go if you looked at the dial, you'd go, well, just get rid of the twelve and six. Why why do you need it? It's it's almost in incidental a part of this yes it's completely incidental and i love the fact that the crown is is up in that uh you know the the, the one o'clock position yeah. because you would think that's sort of like a slightly more intuitive way of engaging the watch um if you were so inclined uh you know yeah. apart from the de- decorative elements of it if you would actually engage the watch it seems like it's in a cool place uh, I've never had a watch that uh, had the single crown up there, but I mean, it, it would seem like you could, you know, just, yeah. you know, holding it at the, let's say the one and the, where, where the, 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 you know, the, the, the seven hour would be, would be sort of slightly more uh, ergonomic for the lack of a better word. No, it, do you know, you're totally right. Now, look, Farhad, I've got you also on here because you understand style, you understand design you understand different worlds so let's bring this watch into those worlds and talk about you know what would be you know let's say back in the original time so you said about your father being 1930s um you know what would be because this would have been a big watch at those times it would have been a pacific tool watch at those times it would have been, and it would have been a watch that would have been sort of spotted at uh, a post-Wall Street 29 uh, crash uh, speakeasy. You'd be going and having, uh, you know, either Vespers or uh, martinis or, uh, you know, cocktails of, of various kinds while having a cigarette uh, dangling jauntily from your, from your lip in a holder or otherwise, wearing a dinner jacket uh, of, 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 of a velvet nature. Uh, and 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 swinging to the the music of Tommy Dorsey and the big band uh, or 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 something similar. And so of course, the the great thing about this watch is that it sort of takes you back. It sort of transports you to that era where you have that lovely smoke filled, uh, let's say, bar or tavern, uh, yes. and uh, you are you know you are listening to Sinatra coming on uh, in 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 his early years. And uh, yeah, so it just sort of, it, it, it's transportive. And that's, of course, what you want all objects in one's life to be about, whether it's a car, which is a great passion of yours, uh, uh, or watches, you know, uh, you, you want them to transport you to a place uh, where you may have read about or you've seen things about or, uh, yeah, it just harkens back. But it's also harkens back to travel as well for me. You know, I know that you're you're the avid traveler as well. And you and I, uh, before all of this was uh, this happened, we we crisscrossed the world, almost kind of meeting each other in other countries. And but this watch for me 
you know, I, I kind of think that it was the voyage of discovery of travel. It was the voyage of, of, you know, when you look at that watch and about timing and things like that, I just kind of feel like, you know, the, this, this, um, aviation, um, progression was just kind of really coming into it to the start of its kind of, um, you know, Casablanca style. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and of course, then we progressed so far in, in, in the world of travel and aviation and our world became smaller and smaller, uh, you know, and then the Halcyon days were, of course, when, when Concorde was flying around. And of oh. course, I had the chance to fly in Concorde a few times. And then we regressed. We regressed yeah. and we haven't gone back uh, to that same, uh, to, to those same sort of immutably uh, wonderful days yet. And of course, then the pandemic hit and it grounded us even more. And now you see... Uh, uh, how important travel is, not only in, in in the sense of trying to get business done and trying to create, uh, you know, uh, revenue and to create uh, sort of, uh, you know, bring about products and services to to people and purveyors of distinction around the world, but you you realize how important it is for those human connections, which we've yeah. been so uh, desperate to you know, keep, keep, keep alive. And so, you know, as, as great as, as, as these Zooms and, and teams, which we've all gotten very, very used to are, nothing beats that human interactivity. And, uh, and you realize that we took those days for granted. Now, when is it going to come back? That's anybody's guess. You know, I was just listening to, to, to the CEO of United Airlines talking about the, the fact that they're investing in new planes because they've got the oldest uh, uh, fleet in the American skies. And they are betting that it's going to come back. Business travel, especially, is going to come back stronger and better. And if if we can all uh, sort of put our money on that, then we can think back to the pandemic as a sort of a, just a pause rather than a stop, because people will always be you know curious. And if you're contrarian, like this particular timepiece is, or certain people uh, that we have in our lives uh, are. Then you will continue to uh, to uh, look beyond the hill, you know, go uphill and down dale, as I like to call it, yeah. and see what's around the corner. No, and it is that seeing it around, seeing what's around the corner is one of those things. I mean, you're talking about travel as this kind of thing that will come back, you know, in business travel. I think it is going to be the the exploration travel, the thing of kind of going to discover new places. You described a speakeasy. And I, I remember um, in Hong Kong finding a speakeasy and pulling an umbrella and this door going back and, and, you know, and then having the wickedest drinks. And, and, you know, I think that for me is this watch can, and it sounds strange, you know, an embodiment of a watch, but when you look at it, it kind of does hark back to, the speakeasies of you are saying vespers and you know i i just thinking about some great cocktails that would have been done at that time but then when i'm in when i was in hong kong it was just the craziest you know but i was very simple i was i was having a my my very very simple tequila lime and soda but it still it felt like an occasion i think that's what travel is going to have to come back to is feeling like it's an occasion, not this is this, you're almost on a, uh, I don't know, a school bus going to school. And creating uh, sort of moments, which, uh, which we will recall and uh, reminisce about 
uh, down the line, rather like you just said, being on a hamster wheel. Uh, yeah. You know, for 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 some of us who used to travel uh, ostensibly as a professional, because we were going around and waving our flag and and trying to create uh, opportunities and revenue and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people looked at it as uh, somewhat of a luxury and something of uh, something of a perk, when in fact it was hugely, hugely uh, destructive to our bodies and minds. And so, when you do have to have those opportunities, like you said, of ducking into a speakeasy, there was a there's a speakeasy in New York City where I used to live for 18 years. We used to have to go through a pizza shop, and you would enter through the back if you knew what it was down in Chinatown. And there, were, you know, there were 10 tables in there, and you would have the most beautifully curated drinks. I hate to use the word curation, but uh, the, the the bartender there would, would spend the most enormous amount of time creating these drinks. And it was an occasion. And so yes. I think as, as we come out of this pandemic and as we uh, try to collect uh, not only experiences, but also products of, of, of import, in our lives that we may not have had before, because of course there's going to be this uh, bounce back rebound of, of consumerism. Roaring twenties. Exactly. The roaring twenties. You want to surround yourself with something that, that has resonance that has, that speaks to much more than just blatant consumerism. And I think this particular watch has that in spades. We've put a stop at the moment on the experiences and that's you know i'm i'm pontificating at the moment but i feel like we are we we're, we're seeking those opportunities again we're seeking the you know the things that are delights you know that place in new york jesus christ you know it's like the russian baths in new york it's the places that you go you've got to try it out because you've got to have a conversation with someone about that that has you tried this have you done this and I think that's the thing that we're missing at the moment is this. And you're in a very unique place because you write for an amazing magazine uh, that deals with travel. Uh, well, well, I do, yes. I mean, I, I, I edit a magazine for the largest private aviation jet company in the world uh, called yes. NetJets. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've been uh, working with them for a great number of years. And I sort of bring this uh, broader institutional knowledge that I have about the world of uh, of aviation and and luxury to it. But picking up on what you just said, George, I think uh, those experiences that we're all craving and that we're looking for don't have to be at the top end of the market. It doesn't have to be luxury five-star hotels and three-star Michelin meals. I've had some of my most, uh, you know, memorable times uh, with friends in an egalitarian sort of dive bar in Hell's Kitchen in New York City, and uh, that has its place, as does going to a you know a, a fine dining restaurant, as I just did. Uh, my, my 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 friend Daniel Ballou just opened a restaurant called La Pavillon in New York City, which is spectacular and it's lovely. So everything has its place, and yeah. you don't have to sort of uh, swing the metronome with the pendulum to go. Yeah you know, all the way one way or all the way the other way. I think as we go forward, we're going to realize that it's a, it's a mix and match kind of a world um, on the other side, if you will. We're going to love experiences, you know, and I think that's where, why I like this watch because it makes me smile. And I think that's what the experiences are going to be. As You're totally right. It, it 
it doesn't need to be the high end. It doesn't need to be the low end. I, I remember in Italy, and I'm, I'm, we, we're kind of going on this travel thing because I said to you, we will go any direction we want to go because this is what it is. It's about experiences, and we go from one watch that creates that conversation to where we're going. But in Italy, I was in Florence, and it was amazing, and it was a communal table. And that was it. You sat at this communal table and, the, and mama gave you the food that she wanted to give you. It wasn't any kind of, and on the table written next to you as if you wanted water or if it's still a sparkling. And there was, the, and there was the wine, it was the Chianti and it was just like, boom. And the best pace of pass, the best steak I've ever had was because you didn't, you just, you were, you were part of the experience. And it, was it was the effervescence of the moment, yeah. And that was the thing is, and, and you know, it was just that thing of saying, hey, well, there's two of us, we're on a quick date. You know, this is, a, and that's what I loved, what you just told me about the speakeasy in New York is these experiences. And I think that's what travel is going to be doing. And that's why I, I, I kind of brought up that you write for NetJets because you, private travel has been there as the ultimate luxury. But... You know, when you look at it, I think that every travel has to get back to not about the cheapest bit, but actually if you're going to travel, especially with the eco side and all these other things, it has to be this thing of, it has to be the experience. You know, you have to be treated as as you'd want to treat yourself. It's funny you mentioned uh, the communal table in Italy. Uh, one of my most favorite places to go to, and we go back to New York City again, and Chinatown, as it happens, is a restaurant called Joe Shanghai. And you sit at these big round tables where the lazy Susan in the middle is spinning, and you sit with strangers. And you know, oh, you're sitting at a round table with strangers, and they're and they're spinning the thing, and you know, your food is coming, and and so you're just sort of in this whirlwind of conviviality and gastronomic. It's it's sort of a culinary cauldron, if you will. Yeah. And and you 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 know you just get sort of swept up in it and uh, you know when you when when you talk about travel uh, you know most people um who travel obviously do not travel uh, by private aviation but private aviation is not about uh it's it's not a luxury element it, it it's a, it's an element that has to do with uh it's a business tool ostensibly yeah. and uh people who use it uh, use it uh as as a as a way to to connect with their employees and families and 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 do it in a way where you know which which uh may not be as edifying to to certain people in the environment but then you know um, obviously a lot of people will uh carbon offset and, and and the rest of it but i think uh to your point it is important uh that we should all uh, be more mindful of how we travel and coming out of this on the other side of uh, the pandemic, we're going to be traveling less, but we're going to, as you said, make it much, much more meaningful. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, the, the, the city breaks and the, and the weekend trips to, 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 to islands here, there and everywhere are going to be replaced by maybe fortnight long journeys yeah. that are going to, to have a bit more, yeah, resonance again. We're going to be thinking about it. And I think that's where I look at this uh, type A7 long, launching, because I can't say the other word about it. But what I, I love about this is it's a thinking man's watch. And I think that's where I talked about you with travel is, you know, it is, it, you know, you understand travel in a different way. And, you know, you understand. And that's why I wanted to get into the psyche of of you with this watch, because 
you with travel, this is one of those watches that really does, will pop off the wrist. I'm sure if you're on a plane and you see this watch on someone else's wrist, firstly, because we've talked about it, you're going to be saying to them, hey, I've just done a podcast with the dreadful George Bamford. But the wonderful the, George Bamford. But the, but the other thing is that you're going to be talking about that asymmetrical case. You're going to be then trying, and it will give you a deep dive into the customer. You know, and of of course, at the end of the day, uh, all the accessories and accoutrements that uh, we adorn, uh, wear or otherwise uh, speak to something that we sort of relate to and we want to express. So whether you're wearing a boutonniere or, or you know, a a lapel rosette from, you know, Charvet or you're wearing a watch or you're wearing cufflinks, they all uh, signal something about you and project something about you to others. And so I think this watch, like you just said, uh, will be a conversation starter. And uh, so it it may not be the watch to wear if you want to get on a plane and uh, get a few hours sleep and not have a conversation with the with the person next to you. Uh, but if it's, uh, if, it, you know, if that's what you're inclined to do, that you, you're going to have a long conversation about it. Yeah, but that's all the, all the watches that you p- picked before were the ones that you could go to sleep and, and everyone's seen it before. This is the watch. This is why I, I asked you for something oddball is because it really is. It's an oddball watch. It's, it's a thing that's kind of questioning. It's like when you're talking about the Chinese restaurant, you're talking about, you know, the speakeasy. I'm talking about something in Hong Kong or, or you know, there's a speakeasy in Singapore or Italy or what, whatever it is. It is that thing that starts the conversation. Have you tried? And I think that's what you do with when you're writing for the NetJets magazine. And at once or twice, I've been very lucky. You brought it into the office and I've seen it and I've gone, yeah, this is freaking cool. Because you have to go and find those new experiences. And they're not, it, it, it may be tenting in Iceland to, to, you know, whatever it is, it's the different experiences. And it doesn't matter of the value. No, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's quite funny. In addition to the work that I do for NetJets, I'm, I'm a non-executive director for a couple of different entities and do some strategic advisory for, for, uh, for entities in the travel sector. And uh, one of the things that we, we discuss uh, when, when I speak to the various boards that I'm involved in is how do we create those experiences? Uh, so, for example, I work with the property out in, uh, 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 in Big Sur in California called oh, wow. Post Ranch Inn. And uh, Post Ranch Inn is, uh, has always been the most profitable independent hotel in the world. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of a cult property. And when, when, when I work with the owner and discuss how we're going to, you know, uh, enliven it with, with new initiatives, et cetera, et cetera, we always think about those experiences. You know, c- can you, you know, have a hot air balloon ride off the coast of Big Sur? Should we do skydiving? Is it better to... And so people come away from, from their holiday or their getaway or their break, yeah. uh, whatever happens, or, or their business meeting, because, you know, people have retreats, uh, team building retreats. What do they come away with? Do they come away with uh, a hangover? Do they come away with uh, you know feeling fitter and better? Do they come away with ideas to to uh, better the business? What do they come away from? And so it's all of these uh, intangibles and the touch points that we're trying to um, work on uh, to ensure that not only guests will come back and they will feel 
uh, a little sense of, uh, let's say, surprise, uh, but they will feel uh, re- rewarded that uh, it hasn't been a static, uh, you know, flying flop uh, endeavor or, you know, no. holiday. No, and I, th- I think that is the experience of this watch as well. You know, I know that I keep on coming back to the watch, but when you look at this watch, it isn't it isn't the norm. And that's the thing is that, you know, we're talking about experiences. This watch is that experience. It's a, if if you want to go for something standard, go and buy something standard. But this watch is not the standard. It is an asymmetrical case. It is it is got a it's got a, a retro modern uh, vibe to it. The case is smaller. There's so many things that you kind of think the experience, even the strap, the the two dial combinations, the um, the brownish yellow um, uh, aluminous that's been put on there that feels so wonderfully vintage. It just, you kind of go, and, and you described the person of what they would wear to wear th- this watch. I felt it had to be military. And when I first saw this watch, I was like, it has to be, I can imagine a wonderful big uh, um, army uh, coat, you know, one of the big thick ones that are green and, and and just, you know, the collar up. And I can imagine, you know, walking through London in uh, war-torn London in, in that time. And, and and I just, and you know, the whole thing, this watch described that for me. And I just went, that for me was the point on that. And, and I could even think of, it wasn't a great drink. It was, you know, probably a little whiskey instead of kind of a Vesper or, and I think that's, what's great is that each oddball watch takes you to a point in, in a moment, in a time where you go, this watch is that it, it's not eighties. It's not seventies. It's not, it, it really takes us back to speakeasy times, America, you know, Americana type style to, you know, I'm talking about war torn and, and kind of very gnarly in some ways. And that's kind of what I love about this watch. And of course, it's a watch from, I don't want to call it an unfancied uh, brand, but it's a brand that we don't hear that much uh, from. You know, obviously they have a huge involvement in equestrian activities uh, and the rest of it. But Longines is a great brand. And I misspoke earlier when I said the thickness was 41. It's actually 14 millimeters. But which is which is which is which is a nice size, but it's 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 a it's a brand where you know for 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 those of us who have been around long enough, you remember you know your father having a, a lovely uh, golden white Longines dinner uh, watch, as it were, you know, a nice dress watch, uh, and uh, a la the Omegas of yesteryear. Definitely. And so it's a brand that we should actually be you know. Uh, you know, speaking a little bit more about, especially given the fact that its price point is hugely, hugely accessible, Definitely. and 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 it, uh, it again, it has inc- character in spades. It's 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 a very cool watch. It is one of those that I I'm so pleased that you introduced me to it, and um, and to our listeners, I'm sure that they're very very happy. Um, I I always keep this down to thirty minutes, so I'm trying to reduce this down because I know you and I can wax on for li- forever. I would love it if you'd come back and talk about another oddball watch at some point, but I want to say thank you, thank you for just being you and being the amazing you. George, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you asked me to join. Uh, you are uh, a legend in the world of horology. You're, you're an absolute uh, game changer. And you, 
uh, are are the sort of the epitome of this watch because you yourself are a contrarian <laughs> and uh, came came from out of left field and now you're part of the the establishment. Uh, and so as a result, uh, this watch is for you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't realize that you were doing it for me. Uh, but thank you so much. With pleasure, George. So when we were wrapping up this session, Fahad said to me that neither one of us swore. And normally we swear like a motherfucker. So thank you very much, Farhad, for everything you've done. Darren Michael, our producer, as always, you rock. And stay here to listen to more GD Talks.